so while one could you know ask people to be conscious and take the clean solutions and so on we will only solve the problem when these solutions become economically viable while listening to understanding the future podcast i am the host punit gandhi and this podcast is developed in association with climate center for cities under the national institute of urban affairs and the ministry of housing and urban affairs this is a podcast where we discuss about the future of work in the field of climate change urban development innovation and sustainability with the help of leaders and visionaries working on ground as well as in the top management of public and private sector Our objective is to better understand the future so that we can be prepared and intervene to enable climate actions in the urban areas. Hello everyone, I am Punit Gandhi, the host of the podcast Understanding the Future and today we have with us Mr. Anirban Ghosh, Chief Sustainability Officer at Mahindra Group. Mr. Anirban will help us in understanding the future of corporate sustainability. Welcome to the show, Mr. Anirban. I think the first thing I would be interested in understanding is how does a conglomerate with 150 plus companies across 100 countries commit to EP100 in 2016 and later uh, to carbon neutrality by 2040? Uh, how did sustainability become one of the prime strategies for the growth of the company actually it is not as difficult as uh, it sounds puneet okay um, you know this program ep100 was conceived in the climate group uh, sometime around 2015 i think yeah and uh, so when they brought this program to us and told us that we are asking corporations to commit to doubling energy productivity over a period of 25 years hmm. we went back and checked that without making a commitment what was the progress we were making anyway because yeah. there was some sort of a program in our large businesses already yeah and we found that uh, without making a commitment reductions of 3 to 4% uh, energy efficiency in a year or let me put it in uh, energy productivity terms Yeah. increasing energy productivity by 3 to 4% was not a very difficult thing to do at all okay and uh, we had enough experience without uh, trying to scale up the work okay and 25 years doubling energy productivity was roughly i, I think a high 2. Point something percent in a okay. year so given that we had the track record it was only a question of saying that we will continue and we will continue uh more rapidly than we were doing before okay and i'm glad my colleagues took up the challenge and we committed to doubling energy productivity yeah and and then to carbon neutrality because that is where now that higher goal comes in that yeah. took a little bit of time so i i still remember after coming into sustainability after understanding the whole thing and realizing that you know you can only really say that you are doing something significant if you start moving towards becoming carbon neutral because that's what the whole world has to be yeah i remember having the first conversation 
conversation with our managing director and we said yeah. see up to now you were in business now you've gone to sustainability so you think all this is possible just like that is it so <laughs> i told him that you know it sounds more difficult than it is and i'm yeah. talking to you about it because i'm seeing that this is really not impossible to do yeah. and uh, not many people are talking about it in the corporate world as of now but yeah. i think it would be a very strong signal to send out of course that day he chased me out of the room but uh, <laughs> it opened the conversation and yeah. i think uh, about a year later when we were going for uh, the global climate action summit in san francisco uh, yeah. we went back to him with uh, more numbers and how we were going to achieve it and so on by that time actually the ep100 work had happened at scale so we'd okay. already experienced how emissions could be reduced we yeah. all, all of us knew that renewable energy will also reduce emissions so yeah. it was a question of a little bit of long term planning which we did and yeah. uh, shared it with him and he said well if this is the way the whole thing will evolve then i think we should say yes Uh, to being carbon neutral by 2040 now since we were doing this uh, when was gcas 2017 so uh, where since we were doing this for gcas at that time clarity on scope 3 was not very high okay so we said okay let's at least commit for scope 1 and scope 2 yeah and as going forward we will learn and if we figure out what to do in scope 3 we will add that as well yeah 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 and i think that's how it has to be done so like if i have to take any company i would look at it that okay what are and we want to go sustainable one is your employees and then comes your suppliers and then comes the consumers as well so i think how did then uh, your employees first start reacting to this whole mechanism because that would also mean that they had to perform in certain ways and certain standards so employees are like you and me na punit yeah and we are hearing this conversation all around us true um it's not and there most of us understand that yes this is a problem this has to be solved emissions have to be reduced yeah. and if we get a chance to do this at our workplace it's a fantastic opportunity that's how Absolutely. most of our colleagues have taken it every time a colleague of ours uh, gets an understanding of how he or she can contribute in this climate journey yeah uh, they are happy to do it because they can see it makes a difference it can be done and there's always help around the corner yeah so uh, it was i won't say it's but it's not difficult to get colleagues along but you do have to find a way to help them understand what they can do in their workspace and in their life to yeah. be able to reduce emissions and why that is not impossible okay and any specific things or programs that were carried out to help them in this journey so in the personal space there are 12 things that we've suggested they do in fact i sent out a summary mail just this morning Okay. and that includes uh, making all the lights led in their house there's a new one change all the fans to brushless dc yeah. fans they are yeah uh, amazingly energy efficient then you know energy efficient air conditioning then uh, putting aerators on taps using low flow fixtures 
using yeah. uh, those uh, those two button flushes okay yeah dual flushes and so on so we've given them a list of 12 we said do whatever you find uh, is possible for you but just keep taking steps forward but that's yeah. at the uh, that's in their own lives yeah at the workspace depending on which function they're in so the operations guys work very hard on energy efficiency and renewable energy uh, the yeah. finance folks work hard on uh, making sure that funding is available uh making sure that uh, investors are engaged in the conversation uh doing integrated reporting yeah. they're looking at climate risks now so these are all the things that uh, uh our colleagues in finance are doing and as and when uh, more tangible actions are required from a sustainability perspective by finance people we will take them along and show them okay this is what needs to be done and why this makes sense for the business um yeah. very soon i'm sure they will start uh, being proactive and start yeah. taking leadership on their own once the subject becomes clearer similarly for every function there is a value proposition that if you do this you will be yeah. able to do your job better that's okay. it okay okay yeah that that sounds at least uh, awareness campaigns have gone through this so that in each sector once they also start becoming more sustainable the output might come on its own as well we do not have to do a lot of hard pushing on those lines uh hmm. and then coming towards the supplier end, because there are 150 plus companies a lot of operations of mahindra is also on lines of manufacturing so i'm sure there is a full list of suppliers thousands of suppliers how do you make sure that those also become more and more sustainable everything that we do in our locations and factories our yeah. suppliers have access to in the space okay. of sustainability okay there is a fairly intense engagement with suppliers okay uh, the training courses sharing of technology uh, sharing of impact returns that we get from our investment all of that happens on an ongoing basis with suppliers yeah especially with those who cater to our uh, automotive and farm business okay they are by and large the largest suppliers you know so when you talk about suppliers there are all various kinds so yeah. uh, for the automotive business there are some suppliers who are actually bigger than us their sustainability yeah. work is, they are also leaders in the sustainability space so we don't have to worry about them yeah. then there are some who are really tiny and yeah. uh, for them to get going even if they did get going their impact is not likely to be so high so there's yeah. this large middle of about 400 odd suppliers who we need to focus on yeah uh, similarly if i look at our tech business then suppliers are people like you know dell and hp and lenovo and ibm and so on who are doing amazing work on their own true so uh, there's a set of suppliers we don't have to worry about there are set we haven't yet got to because they're small and even if they did what we asked them to do their impact will be less but then yeah. there is the large middle where one has to work so most of our programs are replicated there uh, at their site as well okay and uh, is there some kind of incentivization process for them to do or take up sustainability or at least that's a thought process that is there in the company to give in the future there are two ways they are incentivized so there is a, a supplier performance program 
okay if they do well in that they get all sorts of rewards and yeah. sustainability actions are a part of the evaluation process okay so that's built into the regular supplier performance evaluation process the second is actually uh, one of the major reasons why most suppliers uh, take up climate action very easily and that's because it helps to bring down system costs so okay. it keeps them competitive and at the time of uh, negotiations they are in a position to meet the requirements of their oem so these are the okay. two ways in which they directly benefit at least with us yeah. um i know that in the supplier ecosystem there are many oems who uh, especially the ones who are from uh, other countries yeah um, getting business is contingent upon a certain minimum level of esg performance so many of our suppliers are actually happy, happy to listen to us because if they do what we ask them to do they are then able to access business elsewhere okay and uh, so do you do you have like some kind of best practices or something on these lines so that others outside of company could also kind of you know take it up especially the smaller suppliers because big companies do have resources to do such things uh, but smaller suppliers is where i guess focus also funded india's largest supply chain sustainability program it is okay. run by uh, the institute for sustainable communities okay uh, their mandate was to help uh, suppliers learn about the benefits of climate action and how they could use it in their business Yeah. what began as a capacity building program then went on to you know where they would visit uh, locations identify energy efficiency renewable energy opportunities uh, yeah. help build the business case for it and get them to adopt energy efficiency and renewable energy so okay. that was one way in which the practices that we had have got deployed uh, to suppliers initially to the automotive industry now to other industries as well okay okay and then coming to the part where we are going towards the new businesses that have been set up now especially with energy or electric vehicles and everything any specific business models that have come up which are very new and interesting and which are not thought of before but just because sustainability at the core now that becomes a more prominent business model the businesses itself are interesting and new yeah and you know things like waste to energy the i think the nation is still figuring out what the model should be so yeah. every unit uh, in every different state seems to have its own rules and regulations and manner of interaction with the municipality and so on uh, yeah. being a federation of states and being a democracy has its own challenges Uh, sometimes you would think that a certain degree of standardization would help scale up faster but you know you have to uh, take the ecosystem as it is yeah so businesses like waste to energy like food waste to energy like crop residue to energy businesses like micro irrigation is an old business so it, i yeah. can't really call it new but green buildings and uh, automobile recycling and so on these are all new businesses which are trying to figure out what is the uh, most effective way to work yeah 
and uh, so i i remember reading and actually attending one of the presentations about automotive uh, automobile recycling and that was one of the first that mahindra i think got it in india as well that we want to create systems which are uh, as much recyclable as possible so how was that whole design taken up into consideration because that is i think it starts with the design and then only it can go ahead so how did that come into picture so you know when you start with design you're creating a good future yeah but the reality we are facing today is that there are many vehicles which have high emissions which are on the streets which need to go off the streets if we want to improve our air pollution situation yeah so in delhi you can't register cars which are more than 15 years old i think Hmm. and uh, while that legislation has not yet spread to the rest of the country one would expect over time it will and uh, not because only of the age but it's just that the whole technology has changed and you can get far more fuel efficient vehicles and vehicles which are uh, much cleaner than they were 10 or 15 years ago so those vehicles when they go off the road uh, you you can't just leave them by the roadside or let the police pick them up and throw them somewhere you can't do that right so you've got to figure out a responsible way of recycling them and this is a i think it's a big opportunity for the nation uh, in multiple ways uh, one of course is to reduce emission the other one is resource efficiency i mean all that material that's sitting in a vehicle that is being scrapped yeah. uh, it is eminently reusable so i don't see why you should just throw it into the nearest river or nala or whatever water body you have which is what we tend to do now yeah and which is why we were happy to partner with the government it's a joint sector company and uh, do india's first experiments on uh, automobile recycling and yeah. i call it an experiment because uh, you know there was there is no reverse logistics channel into the factory you yeah. and i are not going to drive our old car into the recycling factory and say here here's material for you so yeah. how do they get their material who do they align with and then at the same time uh, so suppose you do get the materials then the ecosystem to responsibly recycle everything that is there in an automobile or has been put into automobiles all these days that's yeah. an ecosystem that's not yet developed so again a lot of experiments on how to deal with the materials how to get value out of it how to reuse so these are all things that are being explored right now i'm glad they are because yeah. the more we explore them a time will come when we'll be ready to scale okay and uh, uh, you also got in one of the uh, you also got into the sector of second hand cars because that was till now uh, like a lot of for long time it was mainly managed by people locally that was not taken up by many big companies like this or startups had not come into that space now that field is also increasing a lot uh, any specific reason for that because that again is just helping us uh, increase the longevity of the car but at the same time there must be some good dynamics behind it so that business started before sustainability became a buzzword okay. uh the reasons why it started then were the fact that the used car industry was probably as big if not bigger than the new car industry 
and buyers who wanted used cars typically were in an informal ecosystem and uh, it was not we didn't have the pre-owned pre-certified ecosystem in india and therefore it was a, a step towards that to have pre-certified used cars which has yeah. gone through quality checks where which carries a warranty and uh, where you can come back for service otherwise uh, you know you buy an old car and it is a little rambharose yeah um and i remember my uh, we've had a few yeah we've had a lot of old cars in in our family because my father used to buy a 1929 austin the 1950 Ooh, vauxhall nice. <laughs> the 1955 fiat yeah. and we had all those cars and all of them were bought uh, pre-owned and used yeah and there were times when we got a lemon and there were times when it worked fine yeah so effort to get into used vehicles uh, or pre-owned vehicles was to bring a certain degree of quality standards into that business okay then coming again a step back and looking because of all the variety of industries do you have how do you think circular economy integrating into each other because i feel uh, that is one big uh, measure that any big conglomerate can easily get into it's easy uh, it might be an easy access to lot of resources which otherwise might be more difficult so where is the thoughts of mahindra group on that you know if we use the lens of resource efficiency yeah. rather than say circular economy it's very easy for a business to understand that uh, what are the various ways in which you can be efficient with resources and what do you look at as being a resource and if you throw the word waste out of the window then understanding resource efficiency becomes even more uh, easy so the conversation we were having on automobile recycling uh, yeah. use the lens of resource efficiency and you can see that you don't want to throw away the resources that are already there yeah um, okay. and similarly we i mean managing waste in a factory and creating value from it the lens of resource efficiency actually makes it very simple and very easy for a business to identify opportunities going forward okay so as mahindra group it already has a good amount of target that okay what happens in next 20 years and how those can be done but and you have said that it's fairly simple but still i am assuming there will be some amount of complexity and challenges that you would have faced or are facing or would face in future uh, those are still not figured out yet so if you could share with us some of those that would be great see the the one challenge which i uh, think is the real challenge is yeah. to help colleagues understand that if they adopt climate action or sustainability practices they can actually do their business better hmm. because the dominant paradigm is that this is an additional activity this is only this is for the environment this is not necessarily directly connected to business yeah um, that is the paradigm from which uh, sustainability conversations typically happen Yeah. and therefore for me the only challenge is to get a peer or a colleague of mine to see how sustainability action actually helps him to perform better in the job that he's doing yeah 
And once we cross that hurdle, there are no more challenges after that. And uh, so I, let me just cite one anecdote from our experience. Yeah. Uh, when I came into this function, and before I'd come into this function, we were uh, we had a sustainability department for almost what six or seven years. So yeah. there was work happening, reporting, disclosure, energy efficiency, and so on. And I saw that we'd done some hundred odd projects over five years time. And each yeah. of those projects gave returns in excess of 24%. Yeah. And it was never easy to uh, get projects passed by capital expense, uh, by the uh, you know, capital investments people, because we didn't get projects which would give us returns of this kind. Yeah. New product projects, many of which I've had to work on, we would start on IRRs that were really low, sometimes negative, and uh, then catch up over time to reach the order rate. So uh, when I saw this bunch of projects sitting over there, which had given us returns of more than 24%, the logical question was how much more can we do of this kind? Yeah. And when we started identifying more and more projects. That, and so then we said, okay, then the sustainability department's job is not to negotiate to get projects passed. Our job is to identify projects and we should identify as many as we can because if the returns are this good, then my colleagues in finance will give us the money. True. And so we started identifying more projects. Um, I went and spoke to our CEO at that time and told him, look, this is a portfolio of projects that have been done. This is the returns you've got. And we can get many more projects like this and they will keep giving returns like this. But our problem is we don't have access to money. Yes. So he said exactly what I thought he would say that if you have projects like that, you let me know, I will see that you have the money. Yeah. And that's what led us uh, to increase investments in climate projects by a factor of 10 in a period of one year. Wow. That's, that's a huge factor. Yeah. I mean, it just made sense for the business to invest there. No? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's true. So, Looking at how certain industries like telecom have started the whole system where more and more industry players have only made the benchmarks in those industry to make it more favorable for everyone in the ecosystem. And then government does intervene. In India, there is something like this on lines of Green Co for sustainability. Uh, and CII has led it. Fiki also had, has a couple of uh, projects on these lines. Do you think more conglomerates can come in together to make sure that such kind of sustainability can be raised across every bar in all kinds of industry? You know, all conglomerates for the country engage through CIA and FICI already. Okay. And multiple fora being created to uh, bring even more companies into the area for climate action. There is consistent conversation on MSMEs. And now I see some of the associations that work with MSMEs also getting into the way, into the act. Yeah. However, when you say standards, I want to just uh, make one differentiation. When it, in climate action, it's more about ambition, commitments, and action. Hmm. Uh, standards happen, let's say, Say in the electric vehicle industry, we need standards on batteries. We need standard. We need standards on the connections themselves. 
Okay. Because if yeah. you don't have standards and every manufacturer comes up with different types of connectors like cell phones, yeah. they're all going to be in trouble. Okay, for no reason at all, we will have complexity in the system. But yeah. when it comes to climate action, standards is for, let's say, energy efficiency. Yeah. How would you know that this is the most energy efficient or not? So there you will need standards. And there are people like Bureau for Energy Efficiency have done a wonderful job in bringing those star ratings into appliances True. and so on. So long story short, I think the ecosystem in India is doing fairly well. Yeah. Uh, people are engaging. There are best practices out there for anyone to access yeah. if they want to. I think the we will get a lot of traction uh, if we actively go out and enroll uh, more organizations to take climate action. Okay. Yeah. And then coming to a couple of now the last questions on lines of uh, how, how do we enable those climate actions? And one of the first is on the lines of how can big conglomerate like uh, Mahindra help in developing more startups and entrepreneurs to help us, uh, help them in creating climate actions. One is through startups and entrepreneurs and another I feel is also through entrepreneurship you might have to make sure that I'm sure that a lot of people in your company itself would have a lot of great ideas which could have been explored or which would have already been explored. So how such kind of mechanisms can be created to make sure that this can actually flourish. So within our organization, yes, the entrepreneurship is, uh, is very much supported. In fact, there are lots of little businesses, lots of experiments that are happening in various parts of the business, which are like startups within the group. Yeah. And because they're within the group, you may not hear so much about it because they're funded by the group themselves. You don't hear so much about it. Otherwise, you would hear, oh, so-and-so raised money and so-and-so raised some more money and so on. So, but yeah. that all happens within the ambit of the group. Outside the group, there are different ways in which we encourage uh, startups. One is, of course, if they have solutions, which we, we are happy to let them experiment at our facilities. Yeah. Uh, if their solutions have reached a certain stage where they can uh, take that benefit. Uh, yeah. I won't call ESL a startup, but uh, we do, uh, we have on multiple occasions allowed them to, uh, I shouldn't say allowed, allowed is almost like we are letting them do it. We partnered to, uh, to, you know, to run trials on energy efficient equipment they had in Indian conditions. So if they okay. got the technology from somewhere, they came and tested it out in our factory. Uh, when it was found suitable, they took it to wherever else they needed to take it to. So we are quite happy to offer an ecosystem where you can try your uh, solutions out. Um, if you have things that help more people join the bandwagon, well, we'll let you try it out. Uh, then, of course, many of us are engaged through CIA and FIKI in various areas of work. I chair the Circular Economy uh, Committee. So one of the things we actively do is to uh, give startups a platform to uh, both learn from others as well as to share progress that they've made. And simply by being with uh, larger organizations who participate, have access to possible clients and market. So okay. we, we are quite happy to facilitate that because we know that 
you know, lots of solutions will come from startups in the future and yeah. give them as much opportunity as possible. Okay. And uh, do you have any rough numbers or uh, startups that have come inside the Mahindra or something on those lines? Intra as well as an entrepreneur side. I don't know whether we ever uh, consolidated numbers of that kind at all. I know that okay. we've got projects in agriculture, projects in uh, mobility, we've got projects in energy. Um, yeah. In fact, we've got an entire department. In fact, it's it's called Mahindra Partners. They're like a venture capital organization incubating the smaller organization companies, businesses, yeah. um, till they can stand on their own feet and either are go to IPO or whatever else happens with organizations yeah. that reach stay. In fact, recently Mahindra Logistics uh, did its IPO. That was another. That was an example of a small organization, a business yeah. that started about 15 or 17 years ago finally reaching a level at which it could go to IPO. So that's okay. an ecosystem that exists within the group. Okay. Okay. And then coming to one of the last questions that we generally have for a lot of uh, young people who would be listening to this is on the lines of what kind of jobs and skills do you feel will be important, especially because sustainability is now has picked up, is not picking up, but has picked up a lot of sectors but uh, and you do deal with all different kinds of services and manufacturing uh, so what kind of thought process do they need to keep while they are getting into any kind of sustainability or they want to get into any kind of sustainability divisions so one has to break down the idea of sustainability so if you yeah. break it down if you say okay doing energy efficiency is doing sustainability yeah. work then great, you either need to be a good electrical engineer or a good mechanical engineer. Uh, you need to be able to see how to uh, create a system which is more energy efficient, um, yeah. not just the individual devices. So an engineering background always helps. That's not new. It's just that what you are doing now is somewhat newer than what you are doing before. Uh, yeah. That's energy efficiency. If Again, if you say renewable energy doing... Uh, setting up renewable energy is sustainability, then yes, whatever skills are required, both engineering skills or understanding, um, you know, generation of uh, renewable energy, making sure that they can be connected to the grid, more electrical engineering skills, I suppose, in that space. Uh, if you are, uh, if you wish to create value from waste, then skills in the, in the material management uh, sphere uh, yeah. skills that will help you figure out that, okay, if this is the material that is coming out as waste from this process, uh, which other process can this so-called waste become valuable for? Or yeah. how can this be treated so that, uh, or treated or processed so that the material which has come out as a byproduct from one process becomes usable somewhere else? Yeah. So chemistry, chemical engineering, materials management, uh, things like that. So if you break down the action, break down sustainability into different kinds of actions, it's easier to identify skills. Typically, we tend to uh, associate sustainability awareness, environmental awareness, etc., as being core sustainability skills, but implementation of projects uh, actually is 
partly about environmental awareness, but more about technical awareness of the things that you wish to get done or technical knowledge of the things that you wish to get done. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thanks a lot, uh, Mr. Anirban. Do you have some final comments for our listeners that you would like to share? Hmm. So, uh, Puneet, who are the kinds of people you have as listeners on your podcast? So, we are trying to cater specifically to youth who are working in any uh, field and so that they understand in a better way how climate change, urban development, innovation and sustainability can function. And the idea is them, uh, that, that they would understand in a better way how the future looks like in different, different aspects of it, as well as what kind of jobs that might come with whatever kind of service or product that might come up in future for, for those lines. Mm. So that is the kind of audience we are looking at. Yeah. So for this audience, you would have heard old people like us saying that you are inheriting the world and you will make a difference because we couldn't, etc. Yeah. All of which is true. But I suppose the lens one should use is that things that we are thinking about today or technologies and solutions that are evolving today will actually be available to people like you've, uh, you've just described for yeah. implementation. Yeah. And adoption of these solutions in regular life, in work, in factories, in homes, in cities, uh, is going to play a key role in our being able to solve the problem. So while one could you know, ask people to be conscious and take the clean solutions and so on, we will only solve the problem when these solutions become economically viable. So that you and I don't have to spend extra out of our pockets simply because we are climate conscious. Yeah. But if the solutions themselves are viable economically, why extra? We will spend all that we have. There's no problem. Yeah. And um, so it would be great if uh, uh, ways of scaling up implementation of solutions uh, could be found. And there are always innovators Guys like you are definitely innovators in the sustainability space. It's only when the innovators get going that the others have a chance to join the bandwagon. So yeah. uh, well, we've learned that once you get started, you, it is easy to find out that you could do much more than what you originally thought was possible. Yeah. Please get started. Do whatever you can do. Take whatever step you can take. And it's fortunate for us that we can go much further beyond uh, what we originally think is possible. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Anirban. I'm, this was quite an insightful conversation about corporate sustainability and many more things. I'm sure our audience would have gained a lot of knowledge about the field and it will help them in understanding what the future holds for them in corporate sustainability and in life, I guess. Thank you. Thanks a lot. You have been listening to Understanding the Future podcast. To know more about Climate Center for Cities, visit us at www.c-q.niua.org and follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram. 
The show is conceptualized, hosted and produced by Punit Gandhi. You can listen to the show on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast and Spotify. So don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends and colleagues. Thank you and stay tuned for the next episode.